Your website is the front door of your business, but the way teams build and optimize is broken. Stuck between inflexible templates and cumbersome codependent solutions, there's a better, faster way. Enter Webflow, a visual-first platform that empowers you to create freely. Now you can ship web pages in weeks instead of months and save millions in development costs. These are the real results for companies like Orange Theory, Dropbox, and IDEO. Get started today at webflow.com. Webflow, more than a website builder. All right, hello. My name is Paul Hebert. I am a senior reporter at Adweek. Uh, We are here at Brand Week with Laura Jones, CMO of Instacart. Uh, We just got off stage chatting about rebranding the the brand's biggest marketing campaign in its history and what is all to come for the company. Uh, But now we're just going to relax a little bit and talk a little bit more, get to know Laura a little bit of her background and where she's come from, where she's going. So, um, Laura, welcome here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're chatting again (laughs) just a few minutes later. Just open it up for people who aren't familiar with who you are, where you've been. Can you just tell us a little bit about about who you are and what, what, what job you do at Instacart? Yeah. Well, as you said, I'm Laura Jones. I'm the CMO at Instacart. I joined the company just over a year ago. And prior to that, spent six years at Uber. My latest role at Uber was leading the global rides marketing team and previously built out product marketing at Uber. And and prior to that, spent time at Google, spent time at Visa, and uh, am a Bay Area local. So it's really great to be here in Miami getting some warm weather after that cold SF summer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So... When you joined Instacart, can you just paint the scene of what, what it looked like there in terms of branding, marketing? What was the strategy? What were you, you know, assigned to do once you got there? Yeah, so I joined in June of 2021, and we were coming off this um, really um, remarkable period of growth fueled by um, the, the need state of the pandemic, and really at a time when, you know, due to COVID, people weren't able to or didn't want to go to the grocery store. Um, A lot of new customers had discovered the service and were using it. Um, But it was still playing a really kind of transactional, functional role in their lives. And so when I came in, one of the things that I was thinking about as I, you know, was thinking about how am I going to unlock the next phase of growth for this company? How am I going to redefine the brand? One of the things that I realized would be important is to move it from just being a functional transactional product that was convenient um, to something that was much more inspirational that tapped into the emotion of this category, which is really about putting food on the table, feeding your family, fueling your household, and really wanted to make sure that I tapped into the kind of um, deeper emotional territory there. Right, yeah, the, the transactional to inspirational. And you, one of the biggest things you did to start off was just rebrand, refresh the look. I, I don't know if we can play a slide to show it, but could you maybe, the best you can, describe what, what that transformation was and why you did it? Yeah, absolutely. So when I joined, um, we had a logo that was a friendly-looking carrot tilted on its side with the word Instacart. And, and I loved the logo because I think the carrot is perhaps the most, you know, beloved, friendliest, most 
accessible vegetable out there. Like who doesn't love a carrot? Mm -hmm. Even babies like carrots uh, mashed up and, and cooked. But yeah, there was something really inviting and welcoming about the carrot. But it was also quite literal. And at that time, we were transitioning as a company from being purely kind of focused on fresh grocery to being what we call grocery plus. So we now have retailers like Sephora and Lowe's and Best Buy on the platform. So having a very literal carrot made a little bit less sense. So I wanted to, first of all, kind of map that journey from grocery to grocery plus and make it um, something that could work both for, for B2C, but also for B2B. We're also a retail media network with ads products. We partner with our retailers. So I, I wanted to kind of expand the the meaning and make it a bit more abstract um, and iconic. And then also, again, speak to that kind of journey from transactional to inspirational. So we partnered with Wolf Olins and really reimagined this carrot to be uh, more of a a design system, something built for motion that could toggle between a more full literal carrot um, to a half carrot that is really comprised of two different symbolic elements, the top, which is a green arrow, and the Mm -hmm. bottom, which is a a round um, orange shape, the root. And we this kind of mapped to our brand framework of shop and saver. So if mm-hmm. shop is about efficiency, it's represented by this green arrow and saver is about enjoyment and that kind of love that comes um, or that's expressed through these, these shared meals and these shared experiences. Um, and that's represented by that kind of bright, vibrant, uh, rounded orange form. So shop and saver as represented in our, our modular uh, carrot. Right. And in expanding and growing, I'm guessing you've had to bring on a lot more people, hire a lot more people. Can you tell us a bit about, you know, how you've scaled that team and what types of people you've hired? Yeah. When I was thinking about how how to build the team, I felt really lucky that when I joined, we had some really strong foundations and we had a great performance marketing team. We had a great CRM team, um, a really great burgeoning creative studio. Um, But there were also a lot of functions that we didn't have or that were very, very lean. Um, And also marketing lived in multiple different orgs across the company. So step one was really to do an assessment, say what capabilities do we need to build out or or what capabilities might exist in other parts of the company that, that we need to bring in. So we unified the marketing team brought everyone together into a single org, and then started to build out net new capabilities like brand, like product marketing, and building out kind of an influencer program, um, and and getting to a place where we had um, all of the muscles kind of uh, needed to do modern marketing. Um, And then we did make a specific and and conscious investment in our creative studio to really um, give ourselves the ability to create epic work to have our own aesthetic and to have a really talented group of individuals that we could flex into and, and, and augment with agencies where it made sense. So we've, we've really embraced the hybrid creative model. Uh, so in, in hiring people and recruiting people, is there a standard process you go through or, or what's your approach to that exactly? Yeah, I think that I, I had developed this pretty standard process when I was at Uber. It was a lot about kind of, um, you know, scanning the market and assessing talent using really kind of objective evidence-based hiring. So we would always do homework, a live jam. We would do a portfolio review so that we could really look at a diverse range of talent and, and make sure that we got a lot of different folks with different backgrounds. Something I did a little bit differently and at Instacart, we, we continued that process and, and certainly always cast a wide net, but I also 
tried a new technique that, that I call kind of hunting, um, where I thought about who is the ideal profile for a job. So specifically in this case, I was trying to hire a head of brand. And I was thinking, you know, whose work am I really inspired by? Where do I see some parallels? Where do I want to tap into talent? And obviously, Burger King has done some incredible work over the past few years. And I had just connected with Fernando. Um, and he posted after Can uh, a LinkedIn post with the list of, you know, 20 people who'd contributed to the campaign. Um, and I went through all of those profiles, every single person, and looked at um, all the different folks. And there was one person who really stood out, having a great background in terms of having worked in CPG, having worked in a tech startup, having been on this team. And I decided I would just cold DM this guy on LinkedIn. And I just said, uh, hey, I love your background. I'm building out this team. I really want you to come and, and be a part of it. I'd love for you to apply. And uh, to, to my luck and surprise, he responded. He went through the interview process. We had a number of other candidates as well, did an objective evaluation, and lo and behold, he was the one. And he joined the team and has been an incredible partner. And so much of the great work we've done this year wouldn't have happened without him. Wow. So I, that's one that I really love in terms of a, a new technique uh, that, that I'd offer to folks is find <laughs> the person you want and go get them. Yeah, I'm sure the people on the receiving end are, are happy to hear directly from a CMO of uh, a company. Has there been any like notable unplanned moments in your journey on your uh, career to where you are right now? Yeah, speaking of kind of those those calls that change your life, um, in this case, it was it was a call not a DM. But um, for me, a, a big kind of unexpected moment occurred when I was in my fourth year at Google and I had just moved to the San Francisco office, which was a big deal because I didn't have to commute all the way down to the South Bay. And I was also four months pregnant. And I got a call mm. from one of my favorite PMs um, who had been at Google, who had gone over to Uber. And he called me up and said, I'm trying to build out a marketing team. I think you should should come lead it. And I said, oh, well, thank you so much. That's so nice. I'm quite pregnant. And so why don't you give me a call back in you know, six to nine months and, and we can talk then. And he said, no, you don't understand. You know, In six to nine months, like, you'll report to the person who takes this job. So if you want it, you need to come wow. now. And I told him I was pregnant. I told him you know, uh, that I was pretty comfortable. And in, you know, really credit him for kind of encouraging me to, to give it a think anyways. And I ended up doing it and waddled into Uber. You know, at that point, five months pregnant, visibly pregnant at a company that probably at that point hadn't had a lot of you know, pregnant women in, in that kind of position. Right. And um, that was really a, a pivotal moment because it gave me this leadership opportunity that set the stage for, for everything that came after it. So I, I, I love thinking about that and just saying, you know, it's, I think it's easy to count yourself out, you know, especially as a woman when you find yourself mm -hmm. pregnant and, and maybe gravitating towards stability. But if there's something you're really passionate about or once in a lifetime opportunity, mm -hmm. um, there's also huge value in just going for it. Yeah. And then, and just as a follow up, then I'm, I'm assuming you take some time off, you come back to work. Do you have any advice or um, on the best way to do that, to, to jump back into a job that you've been on for, what, a few months, I guess? Yeah, I think before I went out, I was able to hire a, a few really incredible folks, including someone I had worked with previously at Visa. And it was great because 
they were really able to hold down the fort to take the vision that, that we had set together and uh, continue to build on it so that when I came back, we already had some great traction. So huge thank you. And uh, I always think it's wonderful when people support one another's parental leaves because it's it's such a big part of all of our lives. And, and then I think just coming back in and really um, not not feeling like it, there has to be a compromise on, on either front. Of course there are, but not counting yourself out as, as an employee and not counting yourself out as a parent. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly you need a lot of support. You need great childcare. You need to have a really strong relationship with your partner and, and decide how you're going to do it. But, uh, I, I worked, I've worked harder actually post kids than I ever did pre kids. And because I value my time more and I want to have that time with the kids and I want my time at work to be super impactful. Right. Yeah. Um, and speaking back to bringing back to the present here, Instacart recently launched its biggest campaign ever. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this is one I'm really excited about. We recently launched our our biggest brand campaign, as you mentioned, and we did it with uh, an incredible partner in Lizzo. Lizzo worked with us to bring to life a campaign that we call The World is Your Cart. And it is a cross-channel brand campaign. It's running on television, on social, on digital. And we had an experiential activation at the VMAs. And the idea of this campaign is really highlighting this transition from being a more transactional brand to a really inspirational one. And it kind of anchors off the insight that every cart tells an epic story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you if you think back to kind of when, when we all used to go to the grocery store in person, there was this kind of sensory element to the colors and the textures and the smells. And then that kind of curiosity of, hey, what's in her cart? Is right. What's she having for dinner? And right. um, And so we really wanted to kind of tap into that sense of possibility, tap into that inspiration. So we launched the campaign and we also launched a feature um, that lets you shop Lizzo's card and other celebrities' cards. So really trying to connect it, so to say, this this comes to life on on television, on TikTok. And as soon as you open your app, you can be shopping Lizzo's card and have it delivered in under an hour. Right. Yeah. The the cards feature, it's called carts, right? Yes. um... Yeah, as you said, it's a, it's a list of shoppable items curated by retailers, celebrities, creators. Um, you, as, as the CMO of Instacart, I'm just curious, how involved are you with these kind of in-app design features or user experience? Is that something that you have influence over too? Yeah, I feel really lucky at Instacart. There's a great relationship between the marketing team and the product team where we are really able to trade ideas pretty seamlessly. And the carts feature was inspired by this insight and, and, and this campaign that we um, were excited to bring to life. And we were, were thinking about, hey, there, there's something real here that you want to know what other people are shopping. You want to know what your friends are shopping and, and you want to know kind of what is Lizzo, somebody that is so cool and so admired. What, what is she shopping? And, and so that insight not only informed the campaign, but we also went to the product team and said, hey, guys, we, we think there's an idea here. Could we build something like this? And, and you know, this will be great from a distribution standpoint as well, because we can partner with all sorts of celebrities, influencers, creators, retailers, brands, and have uh, have them distribute their lists and create uh, a lot of commercial activity around this. And so um, they they liked the idea. They they were game. We built it together. And, and, and similarly, they often come to us with marketing ideas and, and they'll say, hey, I, I saw this thing in culture. We should do something with this. And I, 
I love that we kind of, I think, all have a shared belief that good ideas can come from anywhere mm-hmm. and um, take that real collaborative uh, approach to working with one another. Your website is the front door of your business, but the way teams build and optimize is broken. Stuck between inflexible templates and cumbersome code-dependent solutions, there's a better, faster way. Enter Webflow, a visual-first platform that empowers you to create freely. Experience a CMS where you can build dynamic content without code. Native localization that lets you translate your site in one click to reach global audiences. And third-party apps and integrations so you can build faster. Now you can ship web pages in weeks instead of months and save millions in development costs. These are the real results for companies like Orange Theory, Dropbox, and IDEO. Get started today at webflow.com. Webflow, more than a website builder. Right, yeah. And as I understand, and I don't know how common this is or not, but you do have a background in design. You went to school for design. I understand you're a pretty serious painter as well. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you paint. I do uh, paint, yes. Yeah. Is, is any of this... What has this helped inform you? Help make you better at your job in this in this current role? Is this something you'd advise more people to more CMOS look into to, to design and visual elements? Yeah. So I went to the Stanford Graduate School of Business, and while I was there, I spent pretty much all of my time at the design school, mm-hmm. um, which is a cross-functional institute that brings together MBAs, MDs, product designers, and we all work together to create and and, and launch different kinds of products. Um, and so that experience of having that kind of cross-functional work and coming to really understand design as a process and as a process that all these different disciplines could play a role in um, really sparked my interest in is, is what got me into tech marketing because I kind of saw mm-hmm. the power um, that, that came when you pair an engineer, an MBA, and a designer together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely think that that was foundational. And then in terms of the kind of aesthetic element um, and, and design as a craft, um, I have always loved to paint. And another I think, reason I ended up in marketing is that I just, I always wanted to, to kind of see the output of the work, create something visual, physical. And, and one of the great parts about the shoot that we did with Lizzo on, on The World Is Your Cart is mm-hmm. it, it was a pretty extensive production with a, a lot of beautiful sets and visual effects. And I had this moment when we were shooting it, we shot part of it in Prague. And I, I was kind of looking at the beauty of this set and thinking, if you're painting, you're the one holding the paintbrush and everything's kind of in your control but the output is kind of limited to the square canvas. Here's something that's living in time and space in three dimensions and that had to be created by this team of so mm. many different people, our agency partners at Droga, my own Turtle Creative Studio, all of us coming together and all the different folks on set with these different crafts had to had to be a role to bring something of this scale to life. And there was something cool about almost like a team design project that uh, really resonated and, and made me remember why I love this job so much. Right. Yeah. And in, in your evolution of Instacart's uh, more brand building, push for more brand building, push for more, um, again, inspirational feelings. Um, is it, how do you measure if you're moving in the right direction when it comes to this stuff? Cause I, you know, I understand if you're putting, um, ads online, you're measuring clicks, you're measuring sales, it's a little bit more easier to, to gauge. But when you're just kind of like 
trying to put out a message to the general public? How do they know if they're they're interpreting it right or the way? I mean, maybe not right, but you know, if it's getting through to them, if they're warming up to Instacart, if they're just appreciating the band brand, thinking about the brand more. How do you yeah? How do you quantify that? For the campaign itself, we put together a three-part measurement plan. You know, this is something we've really been socializing, and we're looking at sentiment, impact, and efficiency. And you know, each of those is you know, I think an important metric. Some some shorter term like impact, where we can actually see, to your point, the daily numbers. Mm-hmm. Sentiment, we're looking at your classic you know awareness, consideration, preference as part of a brand tracker, and all of that is well and good, and that's what I'll be reporting to to leadership and and mm-hmm. and to the folks at the company. The thing that I also pay attention to to get to this question of like, well, how is it really landing mm-hmm. uh, is also just kind of how it's received uh, by by the public. How what are the comments like on social? We just had a, a TikTok top view earlier this week and going through the comments, uh, it was just it was like a hug from humanity because there's, you know, when you put stuff out on social you know, it's hard to predict the reaction and sometimes it can be negative. Um, the positivity and even Lizzo herself engaging a little bit was so yeah. cool to see. Uh, people saying they actually enjoyed watching the ad. They watched it multiple times. They loved the craft. There was something just awesome that for me really reassured me that regardless of, of what the readout on our measurement framework is, that there was something in this that did resonate because there was kind of spontaneous and, and, and authentic love mm-hmm. from from the community. And that I think is, is the thing that in some ways gives me the most personal joy because I really sought out to create an ad that people actually would want to watch and, and would enjoy. So it felt like we had perhaps achieved that. Right. Is it not, um, just to push back a little bit, is it a hard sell to like the people controlling the, you know, the finances, the numbers they want to, they want something a bit more concrete or do you think that that they get it? Like they understand that this is a part of building a brand, part of uh, laying down the foundation for the future. They definitely want something more concrete. And that is where <laughs> that three-part measurement framework came in, you know. So for me, it's, you know, screenshots of the TikTok comment and right. joking that, that I'm going to have to frame that because that, that was something that gave me a lot of joy. But certainly I can't take that to my CFO. So, right. uh, no, with him, we're in, in with, the, with, you know, the company in general, we're, we're, we have a really structured, thoughtful measurement framework that people have put a ton of work into and, and will certainly be coming with both these sentiment metrics and these hard business metrics around impact and then efficiency via an MMM. So we're using all the best practices. This absolutely needs to be, um, you know, a, a positive ROI campaign that mm-hmm. we can mm-hmm. hold up and say this was a great investment decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I also want it to be something that, that builds that love. And mm-hmm. uh, to your point, that that is the piece that's harder to measure. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I feel like it's something that when you when you see it, you can feel it. And, and in that way, right. um, I think regardless of, of, you know, where the model nets out, um, I, I, I look at this campaign and think, this is the kind of work I want to do more of. Right, right. What would, ideally, what would you want not that everyone has to think the same thing, but what would you want the average consumer, let's say, to think about when they think about Instacart? Think about opening that app. Think about just the connection they might have in their daily lives to it. Yeah. I would answer that as it's almost a feeling I would want. Because, okay. you know, what are you going to think? You're going to think, oh, like, I, I want to go buy, you know, uh, some groceries. I want to go get that lipstick from Sephora. But the thing I want to create is a feeling. I want people, when they open that app, not to feel like, 
it's a chore. Oh, I have to get some groceries. Grocery I want shopping, them to yeah. feel excited. Like, what is going to be in here? What am I going to find? Right. What is that going to unlock for me from an experience standpoint? Because in the end, it's not so much about the items that you order. It's about the experiences that those items enable. And that's kind of why, if you go back to the spot, why we ended with this kind of fantastical party. And actually, Lizzo's mom is in that scene um, as well. Oh. And we love the idea of, like, She's built this cart, but to what end? To the end of enjoying this this awesome party with all these fabulous friends and also her mom and just really tapping into that feeling of, of joy and of connection that comes when you create an experience um, by by using all these different things together to to do something memorable and, and uh, really create that that feeling when you when you open the app. Right. Yeah. Um, it's more open ended question, but what? What ways do you see, if at all, but what, what ways do you see the role of the CMO maybe evolving, changing in the coming, coming years? I think that more than ever, the CMO is going to have to be both, both the scientist and the artist. Mm-hmm. I think historically you had some brands that you know were all about performance and you had other companies that really took a, a brand-first approach. And I think now... It's more important than ever to have that full funnel approach because the purchase funnel itself is getting shorter. I mean, even if you look at our product, you can go from seeing an ad on TikTok, clicking through, being in that cart and having that item in your hand in under an hour. So Mm -hmm. the idea of kind of brand and performances as distinct disciplines, I think, um, is is something that the industry is going to have to, to grapple with and really think about how do you do true full funnel? How do you make sure that you have that scientific basis for that investment. But even if you've got the best possible media strategy, if you don't have awesome creative feeding mm-hmm. it and you don't actually capture people's attention, spark joy, inspire them to transact, then you know that, that media is, isn't going to be effective. And so I think that um, you know, we're going to have to, as a discipline, really train people who are um, athletes who can flex into both sides of the role. Right. Yeah. What is the, uh, I mean, if you had to put a number on, the, the awareness of Instacart, if, you know, some people in some circles assume everyone has heard of it, knows about it, but are you still trying to reach some people who just don't have any idea, have never heard of Instacart before? Yeah, we are still building awareness. And we, there are certain segments of the market that, to your point, know us, use us, love us. Yeah. And there are other parts of the market that we're, we are still trying to build awareness uh-huh. with and, and drive trials. So I'd say we're kind of in the middle of that journey, which is exciting because it means that we have a chance to introduce ourselves. We have a chance to define what we mean and make that impression. And again, that's why I go back to kind of really wanting to create a feeling because I think that nothing is more powerful in in grabbing people's attention or forming memories than feeling an emotion. Um, so the media world is changing. People are consuming media in a lot of different ways from TikTok and Twitter to there's still, you know, Super Bowl commercials. One thing you did recently is you ran a campaign tied to the MTV Video Music Awards. Um, can you just maybe describe a little bit about what it was and how you're kind of trying to leverage these bigger events to, I guess, create more conversation online? Yeah, so we had finished the the Lizzo spot and we were trying to think what was the the perfect way to launch it. And we learned that Lizzo was going to be opening the VMAs. So we thought, okay, this is this is the moment. Uh, so we partnered with the VMAs and we were thinking about, okay, what do we do to really drive conversation? Um, 
not just run this ad on linear television, but really try to have a, have a moment where we can show up in culture. And one thing we realized is that the VMAs has this huge social halo around it, and there's so much around the red carpet and just all the outrageous things that can happen at the VMAs. And so people are really tuned in on social. So when we were thinking about how we wanted to show up, we, we had this idea of what if we did something on the red carpet even before the show started um, to kind of tee that up. And something we learned about the way that the VMAs and most award shows are run is that there's no outside food allowed. And so you have all these celebrities that are going on the red carpet, haven't had a chance to eat very much all day. And then they, they get to the event and, you know, there's nothing to eat. And so we thought, okay, well, this is our specialty. We, we can certainly get in there and help them with that. But how would we get around this rule of no, no outside food? And we thought, okay, well, what if actually you you wore that food? What if that food were, um, those snacks were actually part of a look? And so we partnered with Chloe Feynman of SNL and created a custom carte couture dress that uh, had a bunch of different compartments with snacks. And Chloe was able to help her her fellow celebs out, give them all a snack, and um, really had an, an awesome time engaging with folks and kind of a fun Easter egg around this kind of caricature moment that then led into Lizzo opening the show, us having the first spot um, in the show, and really it was, a, was a fun way to kind of leverage that multi-platform viewing behavior right. and put ourselves on the map at this moment that um, the whole world of, of kind of cultural... Um, the whole world of culture was kind of focused on on this moment. So that was a, a fun one and, and and what I think that we all uh, were, were really happy to see uh, pan yeah. out. Yeah. It, do you think it's it's we'll see more of that moving forward? Just there's a big event, so you don't just slap a 30-second commercial in there, but you get something during the show, before the show, alongside the show, just try and find different ways of um, taking over sounds to... Uh, Hostel, maybe <laughs> just like getting involved through and through this event to, to create more chatter and excitement online. Yeah, I think it's about looking at this event and saying, where can we play a role? Like, where, where can we help out? What is, you know, whether it's someone right. on the red carpet or to your point on Super Bowl, someone at home viewing it. Um, we did last year for the Super Bowl, a, a TikTok activation around it where basically we realized that one in three Americans were going to buy chips before the Super Bowl. Mm. Um, and also that a lot of people were turning to TikTok and, and other social platforms for food inspiration. So instead of, you know, doing the classic Super Bowl spot, we thought, you know, how can we just celebrate the people who are here for the snacks and, and partnered with a bunch of influencers to share their favorite you know, Super Bowl snacks and recipes featured all of that in the app and and ran some pretty screaming discounts on on all the top items. So it was just, again, a, a fun mm -hmm. way to think about, well, what's going on in culture? What are people thinking about and caring about right now? And what's our authentic role given our service and given our brand that we can show up and and help everyone out a little bit? Great. Well, I think that's it. Laura Jones, CMO of Instacart, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to CMO Moves, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibbony at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at 
Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.